Coming up, it is officially draft week, but that is not the topic of conversation for the Brooklyn Nets as the Phoenix Suns traded for Bradley Beal. How does it impact one Damian Lillard and the prospects of him coming to Brooklyn? We break it all down coming up next. You are Locked On Nets, your daily Brooklyn Nets podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Ah, yes, my friends, it is the Locked On Nets podcast right here on the Locked On Podcast Network. It's your team, the Brooklyn Nets, every single day. Over there, you're going to find Doug Norrie. He's the owner-operator of DFSR. For all your daily fantasy sports rankings from DraftKings to FanDuel, he's got you covered. I'm Adam Armick, breaking down the New York football giants on the one giant podcast with my boy, Andy Mack. We thank you for making us your first listen today. We're free, free on all those great platforms. And Doug... While, yes, the draft is coming, and we will discuss just some of where the odds are at the back end of this episode, we kind of knew that trade rumors and speculation were going to fill a lot of the Brooklyn Nets offseason on the heels of the Bradley Beal trade to the Phoenix Suns. You and I think that we can maybe start to fully shut down the Damian Lillard conversation. Yeah, I don't know if we shut it down completely, but I think that the Beal situation clearly... Um, it, like clearly is going to make the Lillard clearly affects the Lillard situation, right? In a way yeah. that probably makes it more difficult for the Nets. You'd clear away another, you know, sort of elite scorer type in Beal. I think Lillard's much better, obviously. So I don't think they're, they're not totally comparable in terms of just overall skill. Lillard, Lillard just clearly better. But when you take one of these, you know, sort of quasi available guys, I say quasi, cause I really think he was only available to basically one team uh, in Beal. The, when you take him out of the equation, anyone else that's looking for sort of that archetype of player, i.e. Miami, um, is probably going to turn its attention to Lillard if he even goes, right? If, it even, if right. he were to even be traded at this point. So I think that the Beal situation does begin to turn this away from the Nets or, or could put the Nets in a situation where the price could end up becoming steeper than, than they feel comfortable doing. And I think like those yeah. two things combined. I mean, what do you think? Because I like that's to me where it sort of starts to land. Uh, you know, when it comes to where like sort of Beal affects the Lillard market. Yeah, and it's funny because coming out of the Beal trade and seeing that you go, hey, this is just a salary dump effectively, and the no trade clause played such a big factor in that for the the Washington Wizards, and they have a new structure in place, new front office, right? A lot of things are changing for them, but. You can't look at that and say, wow, relative to what the talent is, that didn't take a lot to get. And therefore, Damian Lillard won't take a lot to get. To your point, yeah, but it's two different players, two different levels of talent, and I think perspective impact. And then destination matters here, too. And money is a big factor for both sides. But I agree with you that, and I don't know how I would have felt, because we talked about, well, what if Beal went to Miami? How would Phoenix look at potentially Damian Lillard? As it stands right now, and it was reported that Miami was willing to look at Bradley Beal, but always had an eye on a larger pursuit. And the only larger pursuit is Damian Lillard. And I think that if they were going to start offering more capital, start offering a Tyler Hero, they'll do that for Damian Lillard. They'll do it for the timeline that all of their key players are on, specifically Jimmy Butler in this scenario, right? Like it all lines up in a way 
that Miami pushing a little bit harder for Damian Lillard makes more sense than Bradley Beal. And then you get to the point where if you're the Brooklyn Nets, are you interested? Sure, of course we're interested. But not if it means Nicholas Claxton, right? Like, hey, we, we yeah, we're willing to trade Damian Lillard, but Miami's offering Hero, and the match that you have would be Nicholas Claxton. I think there's always going to be a breaking point for Brooklyn from a draft capital standpoint, from a player standpoint, that's going to make it at least harder. You and I have said they shouldn't do it. It at least makes it more difficult for them to do it now, I think. And I and no one should be confused. The Bradley Beal package that was that was traded to sort of get Bradley Beal with the Suns traded Chris Paul, Landry Shamit, five million second round picks and a couple swaps. That's like not an analog for like what a Lillard package would be. That was a joke of a package. That was a yeah. Bradley Beal has a trade has um uh no trade oh, geez, clause. a uh, <laughs> no trade cheese. I couldn't blank here. Has a no trade clause. Um, in his contract, meant, meaning he could just dictate where exactly he wanted to go. It's just not, no one's going to ever look at that deal and be like, hey, that's the new market for, you know, sort of a 30 year old shooting guards. Like, there's just no way. No one views it that way. And you just can't, that, that, that's a total, total, total one off in terms of the NBA landscape, in terms of trades. Just like I kind of think like the Gobert thing was a total one off too, mm-hmm. going the completely opposite direction. Right. So I don't right. think like those two things can be used as market setters for, for where things are going. But if like what you said, if if the Heat see themselves as having a championship window, if the Heat know that they know they need like this exact kind of guy, and it's really the exact you know like we talked about in yesterday's podcast, it is the exact kind of guy they need. Sort of like a three level guard scorer that is elite in that. That's not Tyler Hero, right? And mm-hmm. so when you look at that and you and you say that if you think that he can tell themselves a story that says this is kind of the exact guy, and if you were to couple with Lillard were to finally make it known that he wants to be traded, which by the way, he is not really still said, right? Yeah. Like we're three days away from the draft now. And Shams Tarani is still reporting that Dame kind of like wants to stay in Portland. Now it might be a little mini threat to still trade the second pick and do something else. But I just don't think between the timeline and what we just saw with Beal, that we can just anticipate a move to the Nets here. It just doesn't. Yeah. I mean, right? Does it? It just doesn't seem like that's what's going to happen. And I've been wrong about these things in the past, but no, it's funny. Um, and I uh third third pick for Portland, uh, not number two there. At, at the oh, sorry, the yeah. Which I know you do. I, we all know you do. But I'm struggling, buddy. Couldn't couldn't think of a word. No trade. Got the pick wrong for Blazers. What else are we gonna do? Six minutes <laughs> in. Two pretty watched. high profile mistakes in terms of like oh, absolute to use. To use basketball parlance, layups for what yep. should for what I should have been able to just pull out of um, pull out here, but uh, yeah, we're struggling a little bit. It's okay. The we're, worst things part is that up. I've watched as I as I try for the third time to cut Doug off, which is always an aggressive tactic. I think when you're on a podcast, uh, I did recently watch a new episode of Always Sunny where Dennis cannot hit certain words, so I'm only throwing yeah. my mind right there in that regard. To your point, though. Um, when it comes to because you mentioned about what where is Lillard's mindset and that's why in the second segment here we're going to talk about what actually is the hierarchy of these options the other thing for Miami that makes a lot of sense is when you look at Jimmy Butler's contract and it's a player option in 25 26 for 50 north of 52 million like I think for them too the all-in move here knowing that there's money down the road that gets real big and those two players alone could occupy 110 plus million dollars on your books but it's the kind of thing that lines up age-wise to say, yeah, it is going to look atrocious. But in a, you know, in two and then the third year down the line, we go and reset ourselves as well. Like it's the right kind of push as opposed to Bradley Beal 
He'll still be, we said said yesterday, 32, 33 years old. Do you keep him? Do you not keep him? This feels a lot cleaner for Miami if they pursue Damian Lillard of, we're in it for this and for this time frame, and then we've on from it. And by the way, we could move on from Bam Adebayo at that point if we wanted to. We could fully reset our franchise, and we keep reiterating this, and I think it's smart. When you look around the league and you just see certain franchises that seem to year over year, decade over decade, have a, a structure and pattern in place that makes that works for them. Don't doubt that they will make it work for them even when they take big swings like this. Yeah, so I agree that not only does it make sense for Miami to pursue Damian Lillard, I, I also, maybe we're feeding our own, you know, because you and I have said this, I, I never understood pursuing Damian Lillard, right? We, we've both said that, which makes it hard for me to think that evidence is confirming my suspicion right it's confirming my thesis how could i then go the other way with it and say no no there's still a chance coming up in a second here we'll break down behind miami are the brooklyn nets damian lillard's next option if he's weighing all possibilities this offseason all right, before we get to that, the show is sponsored by BetterHelp. Look, you got to be spending time on yourself. In a given week, are you really spending all the time you need on yourself with all the things you got going on? You got relationships, you got a job, you might have kids. All this stuff can just sort of pile up on you. This is where it's great to have better help step in. Um, you can learn some positive coping skills. You can learn how to set boundaries and empowers you to be the best version of yourself. Uh, maybe if you just experienced some trauma in your life too, BetterHelp can be there to help. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try it's entirely online it's designed to be convenient it's flexible it's suited to your schedule all you gotta do is fill out a questionnaire you get matched with a licensed therapist you can switch therapists anytime for no additional charge find more balance with better help visit betterhelp.com slash locked on mba today to get 10 percent off of your first month that's betterhelp h-e-l-p.com slash locked on mba okay so, and we've seen this, by the way, as we turn our attention to what is the hierarchy for Damian Lillard and in, in where he wants to play this upcoming season. We know he mentioned Bam Adebayo. That's his guy. That's Miami. He mentioned Mikhail Bridges. That's his guy. That's Brooklyn. He's also mentioned Portland and, and having been the face of that franchise his entire career. Uh, we have seen from uh, through YouTube comments over on social media, the spectrum is wide here. And after the Beal trade, you and I are sitting here saying this makes it less likely. Meanwhile, there's fans that are like, this makes it even more likely that the Nets will go after after uh, Damian Lillard. Do you think that it goes Miami staying in Portland and then Brooklyn as the way Damian Lillard looks at his best options? Because there's one clear difference, and fans may disagree on this. Joining Miami, everyone would agree, championship-level caliber team. People seem to dispute the idea that putting Damian Lillard on Brooklyn doesn't make them favorites to be in the Eastern Conference Finals, favorites to come out of the East. I think that's the discrepancy here about where Damian Lillard might want to go. If it's not going to be for a championship, I can just stay. I can just stay in Portland where I, I am that guy that wants to play his entire career with one team. Yeah, I mean, if we take him at his word, he just wants to stay in Portland, right? Now, it could be, yeah. again, like this sort of mini... I don't want to call it a threat because I, that would do him a disservice. I, like this little nudge, let's call it that, to say like, hey, I want to stay in Portland, but that means certain things need to happen. Like you got to use a high pick to – you got to use the Brandon Miller or Scoot here to to go get someone better because yes. that's who I kind of want to play with. Those guys aren't on my timeline, right? So it could be nudging. The, the, the He said all the right things. He's done all the right things. So no one would blame Dame uh, for anything here. I do think – I okay, so I would put the order – 
Portland, Miami, Brooklyn. But I would say that I think one and two are very close. And my guess is three in Brooklyn is like, a, is the, is a triple the difference or something like mm-hmm. that. Right. Like yeah. it's, it's they're one, two, three by numbers, but not by range. And, I, and it just makes sense, right? Okay. So Portland, like he's been there his whole career. My guess is he probably from a legacy standpoint would want to stay there if he could like that makes sense. It's very rare for guys to go soup to nuts with one franchise. He's revered in the city. He said and done everything right. He's a legend there. The retiring is number no, no matter what happens here. Yep. And it's just, I think it's, I think it's been a very really important part of his legacy. So I think that that's, it'd be silly, even with his words, like even if he didn't say anything, it's silly to think it'd be other, any other way. Then you get Miami who is just coming out of being in the championships, right? So like they are close and he's already voiced that he was the first team they mentioned. I think the Brooklyn thing, again, the one time he said that he was definitely put on the spot. Not in a bad way. There was good questioning by uh, by Haynes. He was put on the spot and sort of led toward that, led toward another answer, right? right? And I get, I don't think he's being dishonest, but I just can't imagine how, I just actually can't imagine how, <laughs> this sounds crazy, how going to Brooklyn is like so much better championship-wise than just being in Portland. <laughs> like, and, and, and it's, it's in slightly better. Either. Right. It's slightly but, better, but it's not like, you know, a standard deviation better or something like that. It's like Brooklyn would be a better team, but they're not a championship caliber team. So at that point, like, why not just stay in Portland? And, and not to mention, too. So here's the reasons. That, so I'll support that that theory in, in the way of remember, if you stay in Portland. Now, there's a world where Portland just drafts so they want to draft and they say, hey, Dame, like, we really want to keep you here. And, and Damian Lillard is just kind of bluffing a little bit. And he does stay and he plays with the young guys. And. Maybe, you know, Scoot comes in and really impresses Damian Lillard and, and helps, you know, turn the corner on that. Or they flip that pick and they bring in someone else, right? So when you're talking about that being relatively the same opportunity in terms of a championship, now we can look and compare the Western to Eastern Conference right now, sure. But remember, there'd be somebody else. In theory, Portland would move that pick to try to get another experienced, high-caliber player to pair with Damian Lillard. So that team would improve dramatically. The other reason I think it's unlikely, and, and I'm, I'm going to fail to credit the, credit this person accurately because I've been looking at so many different things over the last couple of days, but someone I thought framed this perfectly. Yes, the conversations about Brooklyn and Portland and a trade, those have been around. The rumors have been circulating. Here's the problem. Brooklyn is talking about the possibility of Damian Lillard coming to the Nets. Portland is talking about Mikhail Bridges going to the Blazers, right? They're they're both having trade conversations. They're just talking about totally different outcomes. And that's actually why I think it's unlikely as well. Because that, when you mentioned the Haynes question, yeah, he mentioned Brooklyn and he mentioned Mikhail Bridges. I think the biggest signal out of that was to Portland to say, hey, do everything possible to go get me. Maybe made it the same way. Get me Bam out of bio or send me to Miami. Get me Mikhail Bridges and maybe it is. Or send me to Brooklyn. But the way the Nets have talked about Mikhail Bridges being about as untouchable as possible, it just seems very unlikely that these two teams, one way or the other, would basically turn around on their opinion. And I think that the only way a deal would happen is if Portland said the third overall pick and Sharp, and what else do you want, right? What else do you need, Brooklyn, for us to get Mikhail Bridges? And even then, we said this before. It would be seismic for the Nets to pivot to that and really shift where they're headed here in the short term. 
Yeah, and this is where I just think it kind of breaks down, right? Like Miami's never trading Bam. I I really yeah. can't imagine a scenario, even though I think they should think actively about a, a deal like that. Like the Nets would be. I know it sounds crazy to trade bridges, but they could, the Nets were offered that that package that you just mentioned. They would have to at least sit and stew on that for a while. I don't think they would ultimately do it, but I think they it would they wouldn't be an automatic no, and nor should it be. I mean that like that package is probably getting close for a guy like Bridges, just in terms of young talent for a team that probably could deal with a little bit of a reset here. Yeah. Um, but ultimately, yeah, I agree with you. I, I just don't think I just don't think the two sides I just, I just think they're, the motivations here are just like just different enough. Short of Damian Lillard just saying outright, I want to be traded right now. And I think if he did that, like the Heat would be still the front runners. And so, yeah. and so I just, it's just so hard for me to picture this scenario. And I know what people are going to say. They're going to say, well, one, the thing is going to say, well, Lillard says he wants to stay, but that's conditional. I still think that's conditional. And then two, people are going to say, well, the Nets have a bigger package to offer. I agree with that. They can put together a better package on Miami. I just, I just think they'd be hard pressed to do it, right? And so I, I just, maybe that could be me misreading the situation, though. No, that's the difference too to me, right? And I know it's like now. Now I feel like we're sometimes we disagree. Today we're just in full agreement. Where it's like, yes, the Nets have the assets, but you don't come out of an era of, at least in my opinion, of the superstar basketball with Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving. Say, wow. We really pulled it off here, getting some good player, quality players in Mikhail Bridges and Cameron Johnson and refilling so much draft capital that we lost in the Harden trade and all these other things that we did. Even the Royce O'Neal giving up a first round pick to get him in the door, right? All those things. Wow, we did it. Now, let's give it all away because we know we can. We can outbid Miami if that's what it came down to and force Portland into the place of being like, well, for two more first round picks, yeah, we'll do it. That would just seem it, it just seems like it would be such a knee jerk reaction to it. And on top, well, I won't say on top of which we're going to get to in a second here. Um, one other footnote around the Bradley Beal trade and why things still look really bright for the Brooklyn Nets in the years to come. But I would I want to, I just want to throw out this question because it popped in my head. Any world where the same way we talk about Portland is trying to get Mikhail Bridges. You said no bam out of bio. Is there any world where, like, a Jimmy Butler going to Portland? No. Like, you know, where Miami would entertain the idea of, like, oh, we can get, like, younger with Shaden Sharp or younger with the third overall pick. And, you know, like, yes, we've been in we've been in the, in the finals here, but we do really see the needle that we're threading here. And Jimmy's, what, 33 years old? Like, I did, just, I did just wonder on that for a brief moment of, like, yeah, the deal's not great going that way. Okay, flip the script. What does it take for Jimmy to come here with his big contract, knowing where the CBA and everything else is? If they got bounced in the plan or if they got yeah. bounced in the first round, the I'd AC, say yeah, I'd yeah, say maybe. Yeah, yeah. We'd be having a totally different conversation about Butler. Yeah. You 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 get to game five of the finals and you just can't do it. So I, I think yeah. I get what you're saying because you're like, hey, the NBA is getting weird and we're definitely getting in weird territory here. Like Zion Williams can get traded. I, like we're just it's all over the place right now. So I yeah. I agree. The sent the, the weird sentiment, I'm definitely here for. That one just the the optics just don't work like you were so close you were so close yep. you were as close as you can get and yeah that's all all right let me let thought, me uh, let me hit up the uh, brain thought comes out of mouth doug that's the way i work but we'll get into it's all um, good, some, baby. Some, some great safeguards for the brooklyn nets in the phoenix trade and also updating those draft odds all right before we get to that can I tell you about our friends over at ibotta look you want to put a little cash in your pocket right now just from shopping groceries school shopping getting a little something for yourself you're already doing it why not get cash back you can get it with a bottle watch that closet grow 
After purchasing all the season's latest trends, you know me, always getting in those trends. How about watching your cash back grow with each purchase with Ibotta? You can earn cash back on every shopping trip. Ibotta gives you cash back on hundreds of grocery items from produce to personal care to pantry goods. Just link your loyalty account, upload your receipt after you shop and get your cash back. It's that easy. The average Ibotta user earns $120 in real cash back that could cover the cost of the entire trip. Right now, Ibotta is offering our listeners $5 just for trying Ibotta by using the code LOCKED. When you register, just go to the App Store or Google Play Store and download the free Ibotta app and use code LOCKED. That's I-B-O-T-T-A in the Google Play or App Store. Use the code LOCKED. Download Ibotta today. Hey, friendly reminder as well, as we continue in draft week, we're going to be having it all over. Go search Locked On NBA, NBA Big Board with Rafael Barlow. A ton of great coverage, including live coverage on draft night. So be sure to check that out across the network as all the local guys will be reacting to their picks and obviously some seismic trades for the Brooklyn Nets. Um, One footnote coming out of that Beal trade, because you and I, and we said it, we preempted that episode by saying we, we recorded that a little bit down. But guess what? Everything we said was 100% correct. Now, yeah. on the back end of it, though, it's worth noting that we we framed it as the picks only get better. These are only juicier. Some people were concerned, and rightfully so, by the way, around, well, what about the CBA and, and how the diminishing value of the assets, right? Because if you go over the second apron multiple seasons, now all of a sudden you get bumped to the back end of the first round. That doesn't happen until 2031-32. So all of the Nets draft capital they got from Phoenix, no matter what Phoenix does, from here until infinity is not going to change what it will look like if the Nets pick there in those back end years. Really it wouldn't matter anyway. It wouldn't matter anyway because those picks. It doesn't push the traded teams' picks into the. Exactly. the tra- yeah. It doesn't push the tradee into that range. It only pushes. Right. It, it, you keep your same odds if the pick is conveying to someone else, and that other team gets it. And then, like, yeah, you can't. Otherwise, it'd be insane. <laughs> No, of course not. Of course, it'll be the easiest. It's the easiest fix. It's like a total no-brainer, and I'm pretty sure it's in the term sheet. But like, either way, it wouldn't be a problem, and it's not a problem anyway. It doesn't matter. Phoenix doesn't have another pick that they control till, you know, you and I are into the old person's home. So it's uh, <laughs> it's gonna be <laughs> it's gonna be a little bit. A quick note here, uh, not even quick note, but we'll just we'll close out on the draft board. Remember, going back to uh, about a week ago, a little over, Doug went ahead and compiled all of the mock drafts, where the percentages were heading, and where the Brooklyn Nets stood. Because yes, guess what? With all these trade talks happening, there still is going to be the draft. Obviously, the odds have they are shifting, and I think if we read the trends, Doug, they're going to continue to open up. However, one name still remains atop the percentage board for the Brooklyn Nets that you and I are just not going to be happy about. Well, the odds shifted, but they didn't, not with any clarity. They just got smoother. Like they, they just, the, it, it just really, if anything, it got, there was, there's less consensus now than there was before, uh, which really does lead me to believe. And I, I could have known this before the last one. Um, and this one just even just hammered it home even more is that, this is dart. This is dart throw territory for a lot of people here. Like this many days out, and maybe all the way up till you know seven p.m. Eastern or eight p.m. Eastern when the draft starts. Right? Like we're gonna be. I really don't think even in the in the top ten, it's kind of over all over the place. When you get down to here twenty one twenty two, it's really it, it it's really kind of anyone's guess. The two guys that are showing up the most right now in terms of just mock drafts for the Nets. Chris Murray, 13.2%. Uh, and that's I think that represents like three mock drafts. Just double, oh, no, sorry. That, that represents five. 
Uh, and then Jet Howard uh, represents five also. And then Gigi Jackson is at 11%. And then everyone, and then it's just kind of a, a, a smattering of different guys here between, you know, Noah Clowney still hanging out there, Derek Whitehead, uh, Ben Shepard, Bryce Sensible. I mean, uh, Ryan Repair. There's a lot of, there's more too. Um, yeah. Point being though, I mean, how do you feel about this? Because we're looking at this now. There's no clear indication that the Nets have like their eye on them. They've been kind of a vault on stuff like this in the past anyway. But yeah. I actually think it speaks to the Nets. And I think it actually speaks to the rest of the league because it's not like anyone else's picks are honed in here either. Like, right. like some of these guys would start dropping off if you had a clear sense of who other teams were going to go for because they'd be like, hey, they would just start dropping out of mocks because they're going to Team X. But that's not the case either. <laughs> Right. Like yeah. there's like there's no there's no consensus on other teams either. There's not even consensus on one or two. I'm um, me on two or three right now, even though it looks like it's going to be scoot two, Brandon Miller three. But like I, this is this draft's fascinating. Yeah. And there's like it, what's interesting, too. So we mentioned a team like Dallas before because they could go either way. They could be drafting a 10. They could be trading out a 10. A guy that we've talked about before and scouted in Kula Belly, you know, all of a sudden. It was like in, you know, seven out of 10 mock drafts, he's going definitely in the lottery and maybe pushing closer to 10 than to 14. And, and the fascinating thing to me there is, to your point about, one, if you knew where certain teams were picking or where they were leaning, then you would know based on more ready now players versus projects. And then you could kind of categorize the teams and behind them and what their need, need kind of looks like. But the other thing is, I, I, what I find interesting is, and we talked about dreaming on the Nets trading up. So Jed Howard, for example, has been moving up the board a little bit. Like he's closer to 20 than to 25 than he was maybe a week ago. A guy like Ryan Rupert is maybe inching up a, a spot or two. Now, the problem is, are the Brooklyn Nets trading up? Then these guys, it's just them chasing these players, right? Or the mock drafts chasing where the Nets are going versus the Nets are standing pat and some of these guys are elevating out of there. When I bring up Belly, we said this before, in and around the 10th pick, it does become interesting because to me, yeah. we said Anthony Bla Anthony's Black name, Anthony Black's name before. Um, we haven't said Taylor Hendricks because he was very much cemented in 10 in the top 10. He might be coming down a little bit. Other names, Derek Lively is kind of shifting a little bit. I, I think it stays open as well because we don't know what happens at eight, nine, and 10 and, and 11 dictates not just the Nets, other teams desire to trade up to go get player X, right? And until that unfolds, this is why draft night is going to be fascinating because until those picks happen and that right player is there for that right team, no, the Nets don't make a trade. Not because they didn't want to. The guy got taken a pick too soon, right? And then they stand pat at 21 and 22, and we turn our attention to Royce O'Neal and Dorian Finney-Smith and what happens there. So at least from a Nets perspective, there's what? Five ways that draft night at a minimum could go for them? And I don't think we're going to know until it's actually happening. Yeah. And look, like, and, and our friends over at FanDuel have, have this laid out in a way that's actually even easier to think about it uh, in some mm -hmm. ways, especially around some of these guys that are projected to the Nets, right? So I agree with you, one, because we're around the 10th pick, number 10 pick overall is where the odds really start sort of flattening out on some of these guys. Up until that point, it's pretty locked in on one through nine. Um, it shifts it around a little bit, but there seems to be sort of consensus, consensus around those nine picks, right? Uh, ending Basically ending with Anthony Black. After that, though, the odds get pretty smooth because you don't really know. It's like Derek Lively, uh, Kulabelli, Grady Dick. Like, they're all kind of in the same range, right? Kobe Bufkin's right there, too. Taylor Hendricks. Enough, like, starting from plus 300 to plus 550. They're all kind of in that range, which means it's kind of like we don't know. Anyone could go there. 
they all kind of make sense. What I do find interesting, though, if you go scroll a little bit further down on FanDuel, they have you can bet, uh, and this speaks to your Jed Howard point, is that they have where you can bet the top 20 picks. Uh, who's going to land in, just in the top 20, which why is that important? Because that's now not out of the Nets range, right? Like, <laughs> right. So if you're going so you're going to land in the top 20, we can say firmly that you are no longer going to be available when the Nets pick. The number, the two highest guys on this one are Clowney at minus 250, Jed Howard at minus 165, which means minus 165 is like about uh, 60% chance that he's going to get drafted in the top 20. Like I'm just doing the back of the napkin, my odds on that, but that's about where it is. Right. So now you're saying, well, 40%, according to the betting odds and these places stay in business for a long time because of this, like according to the betting odds, there's less than a, there's less than a 40% chance that Howard will even be available by the current right. odds for, for when, and that's why it's nice that they get the pick right here because we can just like cu- have the cutoff line right here at Jed Howard, Leonard Miller plus a hundred. So we're looking just about even Chris Murray plus two ten, which means, could still land there, yeah. but you know, still 30% chance he's gone. My point is even these guys that are highly projected into the Nets range by some betting odds, they're not even going to be there. Right. Well, <laughs> so I don't and, know. It's interesting. And when you, and when you project, so then it's like Jed Howard, well, we projected that projecting that high and you project Chris Murray. I understand it's like, this is one, this is two, this is three, this is whatever. But that delineation is saying, well, Jed Howard is the trade-up guy. Uh, you know, if you want, if you're getting him, that's the trade-up oh, yeah, guy. Yeah. You're not getting two pick, right? That that's the you package and move up a couple of spots to make sure you get that guy. If you stand pat, Leonard Miller, Chris Murray. I'm sure if you looked at where Whitehead stands right now, that's probably very favorable odds to be available there, right? So there's the comfortable range, and then so these scenarios we talk about. Then there's the trade-up range. If you want to just marginally move up to get that player that you're concerned could be gone by 20. That's the move versus, you know, a more sizable one, which isn't even really being talked about. It feels like at this point, because because you had, you had, uh, you had Derek's uh, percentage as well, which is taking a tick up there in the overall mock draft chart, right? Derek Lively, you said? No, uh, Derek, uh, Derek Whitehead. He was like, Oh, Derek Whitehead. Yeah. So yeah, sorry. He's, he's still, he's another guy that's projected the nets. He actually probably fits right into where the nets would pick based on the odds. Cause he's plus seven fifty to go in the top 20 Whereas plus seven fifty is like about, you know, not 10% chance. He's going to go right. there or something like that. 12% chance. So like, um, so, but, but he would fall probably right back into that range. Cause if these other guys are going to be there, then you can say he's going to, he's, he's enough to put, like, let's put it this way. He's good enough to consider in that range, but not good enough to really go. It would be, um, it would be, you know, not that probable for him to do it. But it's not like every guy's listed in this range. So he's like right. considered in the range, but not there. And I think you make a really good point about just like overall draft capital. The Nets cannot package twenty and twenty-one and move up to like nine. Like it's not possible. Those, those right. picks are not worth enough, right? They're, the the pick twenty and pick twenty-one is not enough draft capital to move that far. Twenty and twenty-one moves you from, like you said those places to 15 16 7 something like that probably in that range if you were going to if you were going to do it. So I think this all speaks to wide open with a concentration around probably names we probably know we probably mentioned who the Nets are going to draft probably in this list somewhere in the last 5 mm. minutes <laughs> but get but honing in on who it's going to be is still tough. So I'll say um to just to close, my last thoughts are one that the remember picks remain strong with the Phoenix trade of Bat- Bradley Beal that we feel even stronger, more strongly that Damian Lillard is not coming to Brooklyn right now. And I'll just do it because I like to put, you know, I like to plant my flag on something too. We mentioned Anthony Black, like if he was falling, that's the 21 and 22 and Dorian Finney-Smith to get to pick X to maybe get one of these guys. I do just want to add in that if Taylor Hendricks is is there at that pickable range for them, especially if they're going to move Dorian Finney-Smith, 
he's a guy that we talked about backcourt players that make all the sense to move up for. I would also move up for him because he just, yeah. the skill set makes a lot of sense. The shooting makes a lot of sense. The size, the versatility defensively. Like that's a guy that checks a lot of boxes that you could very easily see swap out an old veteran, bring in a, a very NBA ready type talent that you, I, I would be willing to make that big move. And then maybe look at a Royce O'Neal trade to get you back into those twenties for a Buffkin if he falls to, you know, in that range there as he maybe slides or a whitehead, whoever you may like. Yeah. And those guys like in that, in that just to, we'll close it out here, but like in that 14 and 15 range by the odds is basically Henderson case on Wallace, right? Like that is, that's where those guys are sort of living right now in terms of odds. And maybe it won't take, so, maybe it won't take that big change. Yeah. Maybe, maybe 21, 22 will be enough to get a Hendricks depending on where he falls. Yeah, it could be. It sure certainly looks like that. Okay. We're going to get out of here. A couple just programming notes. You have to be subscribed over on Locked on Nets YouTube. Adam is going to be at the draft as a credential media member. He's going to be live there Wednesday, live there Thursday. We're going to be doing a bunch of draft stuff during the whole time. Uh, we're going to have the regular podcast feed, but that's like one podcast a day. The The draft stuff is going to be a lot of live stuff. It's going to just be extra. It's just be more. I should just say YouTube more. equals more. So you have to be subscribed to Locked on Nets uh, over on YouTube to get our you know, it's sort of very timely, completely live backstage access in the media pit going stuff going here for the draft um, on Wednesday and Thursday. So make sure you are subscribed to Locked On. That's over on YouTube. Hey, man, this NBA offseason is going to be weird. And I never set out to be weird. It was always other people who called me weird. That's Frank Zappa. Oh, one of the all time great poets. We will be back again tomorrow. Oh, yeah. I'll talk to more Brooklyn. That's basketball. <laughs>